Greetings, Productive Programmer. Welcome to the Productive Programmer Podcast, helping productive programmers streamline tech news and education. In this podcast, we're going to take a look at burnout, how it can take up to two years to recover from burnout, according to a study done at Google. And we're going to talk about the seven tips to avoid burnout that Google recommends. Additionally, we're going to take a look at Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse. We're going to be talking about Heroku is removing all of their free services on their platform, forcing developers across the entire world to scavenge for alternatives. So we're going to present some Heroku alternatives that are free that you can use. We're going to be taking a look at how Google predicts that by 2025, over 50% of business applications will be built by users who do not identify as professional developers. And we're going to talk about what are the risks of AI in this podcast of having your developer job replaced. We're going to take a look at how artificial intelligence is replacing over 30% of the code that developers write. And we're going to be exploring more topics into how artificial intelligence is replacing programmer jobs. Google, through the end of the year, has announced no-cost learning solutions on the Google Cloud that you can take advantage of before the end of the year. So if you are currently interested in getting a Google professional certification, now is an excellent time, and I'll talk more about that. We will explore how in 2023 will be the year of super apps, and what does that mean? Quite potentially, the most exciting news that came out this week is that Python 3.11 is now available to begin using. We're going to talk about the features that developers are most excited about when it comes to Python 3.11, and we'll take a look at a couple specific examples. More big news this month, the Elon Musk Twitter deal is finalized. Elon Musk has completed his purchase of Twitter, and we're going to be taking a look at all of the drama that's happening there. During these turbulent times for blockchain, we're going to take a look at what OpenSea's CEO, Devin Finzer, and what he has to say about navigating this turbulent NFT market. And finally, I'll have a couple book recommendations to circle back on burnout that might hopefully help you avoid burnout and make better decisions and a better work routine for yourself. So let's get started. In a recent keynote from Google, Ashley Willis spoke about how long does it take to recover from burnout? And I was shocked to find out that it can take up to two years to recover from burnout. But luckily for us, Google has seven tips that they provided us with to avoid burnout in our jobs. First, Google recommends that we get clarity this is hilarious, actually. I kind of like this. 50% of developers, believe it or not, do not know what is expected of them from their managers. They do not know what their manager wants them to do. They recommend that you get clarity. Get your job role clarified. Find out exactly what you should be doing. Number two, Google recommends that you stop multitasking and focus on one thing at a time. Humans are bad at multitasking. We've never been good and focusing on one thing will help you avoid burnout. I think it's pretty obvious if you've been working in the workforce for a while, task switching is extremely detrimental. You forget what you did the previous day, you forget where you left off on your previous task, and it probably takes you over 10 minutes or so to get back on task after you have a multitasking issue. So Google recommends that you stop that and you focus on one thing and do that one thing. Number three, Google recommends that you set boundaries. When the day is done, you stop. And that means turning off your communication limits. 
which is their number four recommendation, taking control and turning off your notifications. When you're outside of work, you're outside of work. One of the quickest ways to burn out is to keep going off your notifications, talking to your coworkers after five o'clock is hit, trying to save the day after the day is over with. In addition to when the day is over, number five will help you out. They recommend that you get a hobby. <laughs> as silly as that might sound, they highly recommend that you have a non-work life. So pretty much everybody has a hobby. If you're a developer at the very minimum, and if you love coding, I would imagine that your hobby to some degree is coding. For myself, I do find coding to be a very enjoyable hobby. So one way that we can apply this, if coding is your hobby, is work on your own projects. You know, Find something that you can do for yourself um, that isn't just about work, even if you do, uh, even if coding is the only thing that you love. Alternatively, try to find something else to do. I mean, go hiking, find something that you love or experiment, but getting a hobby will help you avoid burnout. Number six, Google recommends that you get a dedicated workspace. Extremely important as well if you're a remote developer. When you're where your dedicated workspace is, you are there to work. When you are away from your dedicated workspace, you are done working. Google recommends that you set a boundary so that you know when you're sitting somewhere, you're working, and when you're away from it, you're done. So if you're guilty of sitting in front of the TV while you're coding, you might find yourself, instead of working, drifting towards watching TV or doing something else in that time frame. So making sure you have a dedicated workspace to get the work you need to get done done during the workday so that way those work things don't lead over throughout the whole day. And tip number seven, Google recommends that you get enough sleep. Very interestingly, Google says that only 10% of workers prioritize sleeping. So in other words, 90% of the workforce is not prioritizing their sleep, and this can lead to burnout, as I'm sure you can imagine. Adding to what Google says, I would just throw my own little piece of advice in there, which is, Productivity does not mean throwing more hours into your work. It means throwing more quality hours into your work. So please get that sleep and put some quality work in as opposed to quantity of work. So do get more sleep. Mark Zuckerberg's original plan to rebrand as Meta and explore the metaverse has become under heavy fire. Zuckerberg also taking a heavy heat on the stocks. One of the largest losses um, of all time, really. You can see that Facebook actually dropped over 25% in one day. The concept of the metaverse was hot when blockchain was up and Bitcoin was thriving. And lately, those areas have been sagging and it's led to a lot of negative criticism. But I think when it comes to technology, there's one thing that is undeniable is that when it comes to meta, meta is ahead of any other company or competition when it comes down to utilizing virtual reality and also the de the development and the work they've been putting into augmented reality is extremely vital. The other thing with Meta that you have to remember is that there really is no other alternative in Meta other than the Oculus Pro or now the MetaQuest Pro as they call it. But Facebook is the leader in the technology that's going to drive the metaverse when it comes to augmented reality and virtual reality products. So even if the metaverse is not successful by them, meaning that even if Facebook is not successful at building their own metaverse, they certainly have the technology and the tools that everybody in the metaverse is going to need to really 
utilize the metaverse. And ultimately, Facebook will probably acquire extremely competitive and strategic companies that give them a competitive edge in the metaverse. So I think that the recent drop in Facebook shows that people are heavily concerned about the metaverse, but I think that there's a huge misunderstanding going on there, what that means. I think that Mark Zuckerberg is the first one to tell you that the metaverse is really being defined as we go day to day. So it's one of those things where it's a long way out. It's a big misunderstanding about what does it mean. And I think that we'll see the meta platforms stock rise again when we see blockchain and more metaverse companies come out. And it's just going to take one good technology, one good uh, virtual reality to, to stand forward and, and pop. And uh, when we see that and we see people using the Oculus uh, solutions and everything that metaverse produces for them, um, I think we'll see some change of hearts there, but it could be a long way out. We could be seeing a lot lower lows in meta until that day. Um, but we will see how that develops and we will see what strategic decisions Mark Zuckerberg makes going forward. Bye-bye Heroku. So if you're a developer, you might've heard of Heroku. Um, you might even use Heroku daily. They are one of the largest platforms as a service in existence. And they're currently owned by Salesforce, which uh, has led to some changes, which is getting rid of their free tier. And this actually has developers across the entire world scrambling for a free alternative to Heroku if they were using the free services. I know that in the boot camps that I teach at universities, we also have Heroku free options for some of our students. So if you are a student, you can take advantage of the GitHub Student Developer Pack, get $13 credit, per month for 12 months. So if you are a student, you can take advantage of that github.com alternative for Heroku. If you're currently using Heroku and you don't feel like moving immediately, take advantage of that. Now, if you are not a student and you need an alternative to Heroku, a couple of options that you could check out is Fly, Render, and Railway. So Fly is a solution, Fly.io, has a free tier in their pricing. Render, which can allow you to get some free tiers as well. And finally, Railway app is another solution to Heroku. So if you are somebody that has been using Heroku and you need to change or you need an alternative to Heroku, look into Fly, Render, and Railway as your options for free alternatives. In a recent keynote, Google says that by 2025, they predict over half of all business applications will actually be developed by people who do not identify as professional developers. They believe that the no-code solutions will help provide over 50% of applications that exist in 2025. I think it's a pretty big overstatement. I think that no-code solutions tend to always be pretty finicky, but I can see that if you are not a developer, I could see how people will use those and they'll fidget with them and find a way to get it to do enough to get close to their solution, but I don't think they'll ever really be satisfied. That's my own personal experience with no-code solutions. So does that mean that we are somehow gonna get replaced as developers? I think that's a far cry, I definitely don't think so. Um, I think a lot of this is an overstatement. Nick Sarif says that, put another way, that's 30% of code not being written by humans. Tech layoffs are also accelerating the job displacement. Spotify fired over 5% of its staff. DocuSign let go 9%. Microsoft firing over 1,000 employees. So when you look at these numbers with the layoffs, 
like you could see where Google is going, but um, that's a pretty bold statement. I think we have a long ways to go by then, but anything is possible. And segueing off of how 30% of code is being written by Code Assisters, JetBrains actually releases a new Code Assistant called Fleet. And basically JetBrains has taken all of their backend logic that goes into JetBrains that has made them extremely successful. They put a whole new skin over the platform uh, and the IntelliJ platform. What they've done is they really highlighted having a solution that allows you to basically at a push of a button, it pulls in all the smart code logic, all of that 30% of logic that goes into smart assisting. Um, that's essentially what JetBrains fleet is doing. They have turned their platform into a click of a button. It runs through all of your code bases. It finds a mix of all of the code, whether it's Python, JavaScript, whatever it is in your code base, and it does all the smart logic to all of those languages simultaneously and allows you to kind of code and flow a lot easier. So it might be something worth checking out, but at the end of the day, it's pretty much a new skin over an existing framework that has proven itself. So if you are a JetBrains fan, I would recommend that you try out Fleet and see if the smart code features that they added to it help you work a little bit more productive. But don't expect too much because it really is just basically a UI over their existing framework. So you're not missing out on much if you decide not to get into it. Google is also offering us an opportunity to take advantage of some free learning to learn the Google Cloud Platform. From now until the end of the year, Google has no-cost learning solutions for the Google Cloud open to the first 90,000 learners that you can claim before the end of the year, but you must act before December 31st, 2022, and it's a limit of one voucher per learner. Basically, an initiative to drive developers to learn their Google Cloud platform. They obviously want to stay competitive with Amazon Web Services, and they are trying to push more developers into the professional certificates that are available for Google Cloud. So if you've been interested in learning Google Cloud and taking advantage of their professional certificates, I would recommend that you consider heading over to Coursera.org and preparing for 2023 next year will be all about super apps. So what is a super app? So a super app is an application that's kind of like the Swiss Army knife of many tools all serving multiple purposes, but ultimately all creating an overall better, more tailored user experience. So by 2027, Gartner predicts that there's gonna be more than 50% of the global population will be daily active users of multiple super applications. So it looks like the super apps are coming for 2023, heading out to 2027. 67% of consumers in the United States report that they are interested in integrating multiple digital experiences in one super app. So we can see that the market research shows that consumers want an application that does everything for them and they're interested in combining multiple digital experiences. And according to Gartner's predictions, the market is headed this direction towards super apps. So I think the risk here with super apps is that there's a concern from a developer perspective that you could be in a situation where it's becoming increasingly harder as a developer to develop a successful app with the fear that super apps are going to be kind of the conglomerates. This is almost kind of like the Walmart coming in and knocking out all the small businesses where the small businesses would represent our mobile apps that we're trying to create as a small developer. And now we're competing with the Walmarts and Amazons. So if you are a mobile developer, it would be a very strategic time now to start working on possible solutions that you can combine multiple digital experiences for your users. 
And if you're somebody that is thinking about potentially developing an application, find a little niche that you can capitalize on. But this also means that there's going to be huge companies that are going to have these super apps that are going to need developers to help support them. And there's going to be a lot of work to be done in there. So there'll be a lot of job opportunities to work for companies that have these super apps. Once companies get so ingrained in their super app, it's going to be a necessity to support all the features. There's going to be so much stuff inside of that application that's going to need help. So there's going to be basically endless opportunities for developers. Python 3.11 is now available for you to use. The big theme here is that it's a faster interpreter. There are more intelligent errors. Python is being more specific about their type hints when there's errors. The main thing to know about Python 3.11 is that they say 0.11 is between 10 to 60% faster than Python 3.10. So just a 0.1 increment inversion, but a 10 to 60% faster experience. So on average, they've measured that it's 1.25 times speed up of the standard benchmark suite. That's a pretty fascinating number. They also said a couple of very interesting things about inline Python function calls. Most Python function calls now consume no C stack space. In functions like recursive function calls to Fibonacci or factorials, there's actually 1.7 times speed up. And I think we're going to continue to see some amazing improvements as we continue on. If speed is important to you, definitely going to want to upgrade to Python 3.11. Of course, I always recommend giving it a little bit of time when there's a new release to work out any little types of kinks. Elon Musk has started his first week at Twitter by firing people that he doesn't need, including many that are in the top corporate structure of the ladder. Um, sounds like Elon Musk is very interested in getting this private company as soon as possible, so taking it off the public exchanges. So it's going to be interesting to see what Elon Musk does with Twitter, but time will tell and everything is just getting started, but they are beginning to downsize and there is a new structure and a new chief tweet in the building. Trading volumes have actually fallen in NFTs over 90% from where they were at the January peak. Forces and exchanges including OpenSea to conduct steep layoffs. But despite everything that's going on, the NFT kingpin OpenSea has landed another $13.3 billion valuation despite all the new competition. So it really is a battle of the tides to see who will come out on top. And so we'll see what happens and we'll see how things play out as blockchain and technology seem to pick up going forward. So if you are one of the developers that has been experiencing burnout, as we discussed earlier, Google's burnout can affect you for over two years. So a couple book recommendations that you could read to help avoid your burnout are Algorithms to Live By. This is an interesting book that allows you to apply algorithms to your daily life and how you can make better human decisions from algorithms. Digital minimalism shows us how to draw the line between technology and taking time off our digital devices. It is a key to living a focused life in a noisy world. Deep work, an option for doing real deep work that's important. And working distracted free, that can also help you avoid burnout. This goes back to Google's tip about finding one thing and focusing on one thing. Deep work is an interesting book that you can check out. Remote office not required, an option to help you stay less burnt out in a remote office environment. Interestingly, the book was published in 2013, many years before the new remote work reality kind of took place. So 
more relevant than ever. And it's a great resource that um, companies have been using to help stay effective in a remote climate. And it definitely has some very interesting tips in it. I have read some parts of it and it is different than other things you find out there when it comes to working remote. And finally, if you're looking for a more fictional read, a really interesting book that I really enjoyed is The Phoenix Project, a book that allows you to take a journey with a fictional character who ends up in a position where he needs to learn to implement agile methodologies in order to turn around the workplace and get things flowing in an efficient manner. Thank you again for tuning in for the Productive Programmer podcast. To be notified as soon as next week's podcast goes live with the latest tech news, be sure to hit subscribe. And if there's anything that I did not cover in this podcast that you were curious to know about this week, please leave a comment below. I do appreciate you coming and stopping by. We'll see you next time, Productive Programmer.